Good evening, everybody that's joined us by Facebook. We're glad to see you. And those of you who be uh, watching this by you on YouTube or any place else, we greet you in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So I can say to you, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace, that means that I'm asking God to put you in his special favor, that uh, he, he can love you and give you this wonderful gifts and peace, which means he's going to put all things in their right and proper place. Follow what I'm saying? When, whenever righteousness takes place, that is everything in its right place, peace is the result of it. Jesus is our peace. So what Jesus has done, he's taken people who were dead in sins and trespasses, made them alive, brought them up, and justified them before God so that they're in the right position with God. Isn't that cool? And that's why he's our peace. He's the one who did that, and he's the one who brought peace to us. So grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, we're going to be in Psalm 25. So uh, if you'd like to turn your Bibles there. Uh, if you don't have notes, I'd like to ask you to pick some up off that little podium back there. All right. Tonight we have a whole bunch of people being trained with child protection training in anticipation of tomorrow. We have a bunch of VBS workers getting their rooms all set up and uh, getting their uh, plans all made for how they're going to work together as a team. We're going to study how to learn and live the will of God. I think you're going to love it when we get through it here. All right? Psalm 25. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. O my God, I trust in you. Let me not be ashamed. Let not my enemies triumph over me. Indeed, let no one who waits on you be ashamed. Let those be ashamed who deal treacherously without cause. Show me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth. Teach me. For you are the God of my salvation. On you I wait all the day. Remember, O Lord, your tender mercies and your loving kindnesses, for they are from of old. Do not remember the sins of my youth nor my transgressions. According to your mercy, remember me for your goodness sake. Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, he teaches sinners in the way. The humble he guides in justice. The humble he teaches his way. All the paths of the Lord are mercy and truth to such as keep his covenant and his testimonies. For, <clears throat> for your name's sake, O Lord, pardon my iniquity, for it is great. Who is the man that fears the Lord? Him shall he teach in the way he chooses. He himself shall dwell in prosperity, and his descendants shall inherit the earth. The secret of the Lord is with those who fear him, and he will show them his covenant. My eyes are ever toward the Lord, for he shall pluck my feet out of the net. Turn yourself to me and have mercy on me, for I am desolate and afflicted. The troubles of my heart have enlarged. Bring me out of my distresses. Look on my affliction and pain and forgive all my sins. Consider my enemies, for they are many. And they hate me with cruel hatred. Keep my soul and deliver me. Let me not be ashamed, for I put my trust in you. Let integrity and uprightness preserve me, for I wait for you. Redeem Israel, O God, out of the, all their troubles. All right. Let's talk about this. Learning and living in the will of God. First of all, 
being in the will of God, a personal relationship with your Creator. In order to do the will of God and know the will of God, you got to be in the will of God. You say, wait a minute, that sounds like a circular path. No, he's already told us what it is to be in his will. And here are the people who can know the will of God. Number one, it's those who trust him with their very soul. Look at verse one. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. Now notice, that's not to anyone else. That's not to the government, Lord, I lift up my soul. It's not to my parents do I lift up my soul. It's not to anyone other than the Lord himself, the one who created you, the one who made you. That's who you lift your soul up to. And the people who can know the will of God are the people who trust him fully, even with their very being. So if you want to know the will of God, trust him. Not your circumstances, not the things around you. Trust him. All right. Second thing, it's those who desire to know it and seek it from God himself. They believe it's the greatest good to be known and experienced. Look at verses four and five. He says, show me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your path. Lead me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. On you I wait all the day. Now, let's get this picture here. He's saying that I want to know your will. And since I know no one else knows it but you, I want you to teach it to me. Now, that's, that, guys, is right at the bottom of a personal relationship with God. You're asking God himself to teach you. That means you're recognizing there's not a whole lot of mediators between you and him. There is God. And here's the deal. He wants you to know that. He wants you to know that. So he's having this personal relationship with you so that you can know his will. Right? So it's those who desire to know it and seek it from God himself. They believe it's the greatest good to be known and experienced. So he's looking at this thing and he said, there isn't anything any better. This is what life is. Knowing your will is what life is. I don't want something else. I, I, I can learn how to be a skilled workman. I, I can learn how to be a good plumber, a, a good architect. I can be a, be a good driver. But I want to know your will. That's what I want more than anything else. All right. Number three, it's those who wait on God and they are patient with him as he works with them to grant their desire. All right, let's look at what he says here. Uh, verse 5, lead me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. He doesn't believe he saved himself. He believes that God saved him, that God's the one who gave him life. Then notice how he says it, on you I wait all the day. Earlier he had said in verse 3, yeah, let no one who waits on you be ashamed. And he's saying here, you are my God. Lead me in truth and teach me. On you I wait all the day. Do you ever get impatient with God? Wishing that he'd hurry up and get this thing going? Wishing that somehow you are already fixed and already complete? Well, in God's eyes, you are already complete. That new person that's been born in you is complete. It's not, it's not more he's going to give to you in that. You're fully equipped. You have everything that you need that God wants you to have. You're going to have to learn to use it. Yes, that's true. Um, my father was a, a contractor for a long time, and then he started realizing, 
I, I can do finish work. I really like doing finish work. And he started becoming a cabinet builder. Boy, was he good. He can make cabinets fit so pretty. And when they, when they put them up in, on the wall, those things fit nicely. They were firm. They were great cabinets. And he would say to me, here, son, I want you to learn how to make cabinets. I'd be 14, 15, 16 years old. You know what I wanted? To go run around someplace, to go be with my friends someplace. I couldn't see why would you spend all your time making cabinets. But he'd say, this is what I want done by the end of the day. I've got to go work on some other things right now. Here are the cabinet doors. I want you to sand them down good. Make sure they're nice and smooth, and then we'll stain them when I get home. No problem. I didn't want to take the time to do all that, so I sanded them as good as I wanted to sand them and then went about my business. My father gave me every tool I needed, everything I needed. He was even teaching me the things to do it with. But I was being an obstinate, silly person didn't see the value in it. This guy has seen the value. Teach me your ways. I know. I've seen your work. I've seen what you do. And I want to know your ways. I want to know your truth. And I'm willing to wait on you. I wasn't willing to wait on that. I wanted the job done. Let's get this thing over with, okay? So let me, and then he'd come home and say, no, no, this is not smooth. I need this to be almost like a piece of glass, so that when we put that, that stain on there, it's going to bring that grain right out. It's going to look beautiful. Okay? I wasn't patient with him to teach me what it needs to be done. You ever try to rush up God? He's given you everything you need, everything you need. But sometimes we're not patient with him. We want him to complete that work. Get it done. You know, I know going in, in Bible college and master's, uh, earning my master's degree, I'm trying to figure out, how long is this going to take? You know, I need to get busy. I need to get out and do some work. No, it's another paper. Oh, no, it's correcting another paper. Why? Because it wasn't patient. I didn't take my time with it. You, you follow where I'm at? With God, you're going to have to be patient. He's going to work his will in you. He's going to teach you the truth. Don't rush it. Let him teach you all the things you need. Sometimes he does things in a way that is, isn't always pleasing to our schedule. Sometimes it takes him moving all kinds of people in a direction they have to go because he's not working with just you. He's working with several other people who also have been praying, teach me your way, teach me this, teach me that. And he's got to get each one of them moved around until that point that you're actually ready to hear what he has to say. Be patient with him. Those who get to know the will of God are those who are patient with him in getting done what he wants to do. So they wait on God. Number four, it's those humble enough to know their need of him and of their ongoing failures. Look at verse 6. Remember, O Lord, your tender mercies and your loving kindnesses, for they are from old. Lord, if, if there's anything that you would remember, would you do this? Would you remember, I'm fully gracious, I'm fully loving, I'm fully merciful, I've been that way for ages, I am this way from eternity? Go on to the next verse. However, 
do not remember the sins of my youth nor my transgressions. Now, I want you to know something. He doesn't say, please forget. God can't forget. God cannot remember, but God cannot forget. You follow what I'm saying? If he forgets, he might forget your name. You don't want him to forget. You want him to not remember. That's the same way he wants you to treat the people that you don't think have treated you fairly. Don't remember. You remember we'll say sometimes, well, I can forgive you, but I can't forget. Don't forget. Don't remember. I remember back when, uh, I, I think years ago, I was talking with a guy and he said, you know, I'd like for you to think of the number eight. The number eight. Yeah. So I started thinking of the number eight. Number eight. I said, okay, is it a big circle at the top and a, or a small circle at the top and a larger circle at the bottom? Uh, no, they're the same size. Is it black and white? Is it black on a white background? No, it's gray on a pink background. Oh, yeah, yeah. Now, is it actually two circles or is it that S kind of thing there? Which is it? And on and on he went, describing a stupid letter, number eight. And I thought, what am I going to do this for? Then he said, okay, let's go on and stop thinking of the number eight. I can't stop thinking of the number eight because it's right there indelible in my mind. I'm looking at the number. He said, no, I said, stop. Stop thinking of it. Well, I can't, he said. All right, boy, this is going to be hard. You're making this really hard. I want you to think of a pink elephant in a green bikini. Pink elephant in a green bikini. So now I'm thinking of a pink elephant in a green bikini. And he said, do you have it pictured? Yeah. Is it the polka dot bikini? Uh, no, you said pink. Oh, oh. And on and on he goes with this description of it. Then he turned to me and said, are you thinking of the number eight? No, I'm not. You see, one of the ways not to remember is to think of something else. Think of something else. Because once you think of something else, you won't remember the other. Our Father does not forget what you've done. He's not remembering what you've done. Why? Because he's remembering his goodness. He's remembering his son. He's remembering what his son did in your behalf. You follow where we're coming from? That's what he's remembering. He's not remembering your actions. He's choosing to remember his son's actions. Why? Because his son paid for your actions. He's now wanting to remember his son's actions in your behalf, all right? Those who are humble enough to know their need of him and of their ongoing failures, they know that they have sin, and they are looking to God's goodness, not their own sin. They're not sitting around beating themselves all the time because they're not worthy of salvation. Kids, that's not a surprise to God. We never were worthy of salvation. That's not some big surprise, okay? And, and it's no big acknowledgement when you say to God, I'm not worthy of this. Because he could just as easily say, I know. I know what I was getting when I bought you. 
and it's you're really not that much. But I'm going to do something in you that's amazing. I am going to be at work in you. All right, let's go on further. Number five, look at verses six through eight. Here's what it says. Remember, O Lord, your tender mercies and your loving kindnesses, for they are from of old. Do not remember the sins of my youth nor my transgressions. According to your mercy, remember me. So think about your mercy, Lord, not my sin. For your goodness sake, O Lord, good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, he teaches sinners in the way. Because God is good, because God's upright, he teaches sinners in the way. You say, oh, now you're going to tell us sinners can know the will of God? No. I'm telling you sinners are being taught in the way by God. The way of a sinner is the way of death. It's not the way to follow God. God does not just simply leave them there. He teaches them while they're in the way. This thing's wrong, son. This thing's wrong, son. It's a conviction. You follow it? He's convicting them of sin, of righteousness, of judgment. He's teaching them all along the way, this isn't the way to walk. This isn't the way to walk. They're not learning the will of God, but they can't learn the will of God until they stop walking that way. You follow where I'm at? All right. So, those who know him to be merciful, gracious, good, and filled with loving kindness. So, that's what he's saying here. Lord, I know this. Good and upright is the Lord. Uh, uh, you have, uh, how do you say in verse 6 here? Remember, O Lord, your tender mercies and your loving kindnesses, for they are from old. They, they are much older than my sins or my iniquities. So, please remember those. Number six in our outline here, those who keep his covenant and his testimonies. Look at number verse 10. All the paths of the Lord are mercy and truth to such as keep his covenant and his testimonies. So the person who gets to know the will of God is someone who keeps his covenant and keeps his testimonies. What does the word keep mean? The word keep means that I recognize that whatever else I do, his testimonies, his covenant are always true. He doesn't change. He's always going to be the same. So if you're going to look over the New Testament, it's always going to say the same thing. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. It's always going to say the same thing. Love the brethren. It's always going to say the same thing. Do unto others you'd have them do unto you. It's always going to say that. That covenant's going to be the same, and you're keeping that. That doesn't mean you're always obedient to it. You probably won't be. But you're keeping it. You're saying, I recognize that's really the truth. That is the truth. And you, you may be even, even offended when somebody, while you're not walking with the Lord, somebody else who's not walking with the Lord starts making fun of the Bible. And you're saying, whoa, whoa, wait, wait a minute. I, I, I can let you make fun of me. That, that's okay because you, you've got plenty of good ground to do that. But not God. No, I can't do that. Why? Because they're keeping his covenant and his testimonies. Does that make sense to you? They just know what it is, and they know it to be true. Right? So they can know the will of God if they keep his covenant and his testimonies. Look at what, verse 10 again. It says, all the paths of the Lord are mercy and truth. Now, let me ask you. Let's go, let's go a little English here for a minute. And please, Miss Linguist, I'm... I'm, I'm just, yep. Is this P A T H S, is that singular or plural? 
Singular or plural? P-A-T-H-S. How many say it's singular? How many say that's plural? Yeah, because there's more than one path, right? That's paths, plural. You say, wait a minute, there's only one way. God only has one way. Uh Uh-huh, that is correct. Sometimes people get there through blindness. Sometimes people get there through lameness. Sometimes people get there through being paraplegic. Sometimes people get, you follow where I'm coming from? They're coming to Christ, and every path that they come on is mercy and truth. We don't all come to Christ exactly the same way. I, more than likely, you didn't come the pathway of uh, drugs and alcohol. That, that happens to some. And through falling apart and crashing, they come to know the Lord Jesus Christ as a result of that fall. Some others, God never allowed them to go through that. They came through listening to their parents all the days of their life. They, they really can't remember doing any wrong thing. I, don't, I mean, I don't mean they, don't, they, they think of their sinner. They knew that they had sinned against mom and dad. They knew they'd done all kinds of things. But as far as did they go out in total rebellion and just tear the city apart? No, they didn't. They don't have that kind of testimony. Their testimony sounds, well, minor compared to that guy who says, I was a Satanist and loving Satan all the days of my life, and then one day God smacked me down with a car wreck, and, and then they didn't come that way. And their testimony may sound pale in comparison to that. Can I tell you, though, the path those kids went through or those adults went through was a path of mercy and truth. Just like the guy who got stopped by Almighty God by a powerful way. That was mercy and truth too. All the paths of the Lord are mercy and truth to such as keep his covenant. Now, uh, just hold on to that thought because we're going to come back to that thought in just a minute. And then the last thing I'd like to bring up is who can know the will of God? Those who fear him. Those who fear him. Look at verse 12. Who is the man that fears the Lord? Him shall he teach in the way he chooses. He himself shall dwell in prosperity, and his descendants shall inherit the earth. The secret of the Lord is with those who fear him, and he will show them his covenant. You hear that? There's a whole lot of things the Lord wants to show people who fear him. So let's talk a minute. What does it mean to be in the fear of the Lord? The fear of the Lord is, first of all, to recognize that God's sovereign. He really is the Lord. And there's not somebody else between him and there. Oh, yeah, there's plenty of authorities. Um, you know, there's governments and all of your parents, and you have those kinds of things there. But ultimate authority is in the living God. Okay, so you're recognizing his sovereignty. You're recognizing also that you are being held accountable by him for everything that you say, do, or think, and will one day give an answer for it. When I'm knowing the fear of the Lord, I'm knowing that If I say the wrong thing, think the wrong thing, do the wrong thing, I'm still going to answer for it. I can also know if I say the right thing, do the right thing, think the right thing, I will also be answering for that too. And there is a reward coming in that one. You follow that? That's that's what's going on there too, guys. And to know the fear of the Lord is both positive and negative. When you're knowing the fear of the Lord, you're knowing that you're accountable to him. 
and that he is a good, gracious, and merciful God, but he's a just God. So you're going to give an account one day. So those who fear the Lord are those who are understanding that. All right. Okay, any comments or questions you want to think about as we work our way through uh, who can know the will of God? Everything seem okay? All right, let's move on then. What are the characteristics of the will of God? What, what's the benefit of it? Why would I bother learning the will of God? Well, number one, he has a will and he desires to, to make it known. Look, look, we didn't create the earth. We didn't create a big bang and bring it in. We didn't have anything to do with it. There was God willing to make that world. He willed it. He spoke it, and there it is. And when he finishes, he says, this is very good. And he tells the people that he created to be on it with him, this is your blessing. Be fruitful and multiply. Replenish the earth. I want you to manage the earth, and I want you to be in, have dominion over the fish, over the, the, everything that's in the air, everything that's on the ground. You have dominion over it. You make sure that it's taken care of. That was his will. Ever see where we're at? He has one, and he desires for it to be known. He's not left us ever without any knowledge of what's his will. Man, he's told us all through this book, this is my will, this is my will, this is my will. It's here. It's available for us. Those who desire to know it will. Those who fear him will know it. Those who trust him will. You see where I'm at? All right. So let's go with this. He has one, desires to make it known. Number two, it's the foundation by which all systems work in the cosmos. The, the foundation, the whole reason. Listen, we, we have a garden, and we got it all ready, and I planted several things in it, and then we went to Alaska. When I came back, I wasn't sure I had a garden anymore. I had kind of a yard, another yard, because the ground which God had commanded to bring forth vegetation had done exactly what God told it to do. And it brought up all kinds of plants. Now, it's not edible to me. That's not the curse. The ground's doing what it's supposed to do. It's supposed to bring forth vegetation. Everybody see where I'm at? It's supposed to bring forth vegetation. And when it brings it forth, it has a purpose. Here's something I noted, that all the place that grass was, underneath that grass in this mass of roots that's all gathered together, that soil was dark and black, and there are all kinds of little things crawling in among it that were turning it into deep, healthy soil. And it was wet soil. Why? Because that grass was keeping the moisture in the ground so that the ground could continue to grow, so they could grow more grass. It's probably 2 o'clock in the afternoon, and I'm mowing the grass out there, and it's still wet. Why? Because the ground was doing what it was commanded to do. It is God's will for that ground to do that, and that's what it's doing. If you leave some ground alone for a little while, you know as well as I do, Something's going to be growing there pretty soon. Why? Because God willed the ground to bring forth vegetation. He said, let the earth bring forth vegetation, and that's exactly what it's doing. It was fun to watch while we were in Alaska the way that that all works. 
it, it's not all trees. Everything works in a succession. And you have first these little strawberry plants and, and uh, berry plants that grow up there, and they start forming a nice root uh, network. And they get it all together there, and they're keeping all of the moisture in the ground. And then some bird comes along and just happens to have just a little bit of, uh, well, one of those nice fur um, cones with it. It's got a little seed from that where it was eating something else. It drops in there. And now you start getting some fir trees growing up. And then it's not long to get some other kind of trees here. Get some other kind of trees, and it starts being filled with life. That's God's plan. There's a will that's going on there. Does that make sense to you? His will is what makes all the systems of the earth work. His will is what makes your body work. It's his will. All right, let's go on to the next one. Number three, it's God's perfect directive for putting all things back in their proper righteous state. When things are not in their proper righteous state, we're not at peace. Man, when there's a conflict going on, if let me just use an automobile engine for a moment. As long as your automobile engine is working the way it's supposed to work, that everything's firing the way it's supposed to fire, the gas is going in like it's supposed to, everything's going like it's supposed to do. As long as that's happening, that engine and you are at peace. But once you mess that gas up, once you mess shock absorbers up, once you mess suspension up or the drivetrain, once you met that, you're not at peace anymore. It's not righteous anymore. It's broken. And conflict is on its way. Does that make sense? That's the same thing that happens with us. When we're not in a right state with God or in a right state with people, horizontal and a vertical level, conflict is what has to happen because we're not at peace. It's not in a righteous state. It's only as we put things in their right state again. And how do I know what that is? The will of God. I have Harley Davidson. And that Harley Davidson runs nicely when it runs nicely. When it's not at peace, it doesn't run as nicely. So you know what I do? I get out the manual. It's called the Harley-Davidson manual. Isn't that odd? They got a Harley-Davidson manual. It's a little Bible from the Creator. And so I read along. It says, oh, let's see what I did. Wrong. I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have used 87. I have to use 93 in it all the time. You can't use that 87. Oh, man, I better watch this because it's air-cooled. And I can't take 20% ethanol. Can't do it. Man, you start getting higher than 20% ethanol, and that engine gets way, way, way too hot. you got to keep moving really fast, or you're going to burn that engine up. You follow where I'm coming from? It's reading the will of the manufacturer. The Bible is the will of God. To put things back in their right place, you get to the manual. And it tells us, here's where things have to happen. This is what things are going wrong here and so forth. So it's God's perfect directive for putting all things back in their proper righteous state. Number four, it is his perfect plan for people to be justified before him and to be holy. Jesus uh, had, had gone 
across the Sea of Galilee, and while he was over there, people followed him over. And as those people came over, he turned to Philip and said, how, how are we going to feed all these people? Philip said, oh, well, 200 denarii wouldn't be enough to give everybody anything more than a scrap. Will you feed them? Philip says, where am I going to do that? Long story short, Jesus feeds all those people. And then he goes up to the mountain to pray, and the disciples get tired of waiting for him. They go back across the, the sea. And if you remember, Jesus comes down from there and walks on the water to go over to them. Okay? He gets to the other side, and now all the people are puzzled that we're on the other side. Well, how did you get here? So they get over and say, how did you get here? Well, I mean, you weren't in the boat. We saw you weren't in the boat. How did you? He doesn't even bother to answer me. He said, you're not seeking me because you want me. You're seeking me because you want to be fed. That's all you really want. And they said, well, then tell us how we can work the work of God. And this is what Jesus told them. You want to do the will of God, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the will of God. And if you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, guess what? You can know more of the will of God. But if you're not willing to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, there's not much chance you're going to know much more about the will of God. You're stunned. You've gone about as far as you can until you start doing the thing he told you is his will. All right? All right. That's the only way you can be justified is through faith in Christ. Number five, it is his delight in teaching his children how to walk before him in perfect harmony with him. That's God's will. He really enjoys, just like you do. You, you love teaching your kids how to do things the right way. And you love it when they do it the right way. You know, you, you sit there and smile sometimes. You think, this is really cool. I taught them how to do this, and now they're making their own. You know, I, I, I taught my sons how to tie a lure on. And that fish line is tiny. And it's, you know, you tie it all around here, tie it around there. Well, boy, once they started tying their own lines on, it seemed like now all they ever want to do was tie lures on. But they learned the will of God. And I'll tell you, that made this dad smile. They're learning the will of God. Do you understand that's the way our father is? When he's teaching you his will and you're following it, it's his delight. This is one of the things where he says, this is very good. All right. Number six, it's richly rewarding for those who follow it. It's richly rewarding for those who follow it. It's to your benefit to follow the will of God. Okay. Number seven, it is full of goodness, mercy, loving kindness, salvation, righteousness, peace, truth, prosperity, forgiveness, and a future. All of those words are found right here in Psalm 25. Look what he says here. Um, I lift up my soul. Um, uh, I wait on you, and because I wait on you, all your paths are mercy and truth. <coughs> You're the God of my salvation, so salvation's in it. Your tender mercies, your loving kindnesses, um, the, the fact that you choose not to remember, you're good, you're good and upright, uh, you're a guide, you teach. All those things are, are true about him, and that's the will of God. Number eight, in keeping it, one will not be ashamed by failure or disappointed with God. If you keep the will of God that he shows you, if you learn that in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you, if you learn to give thanks instead of complaining, it is amazing what changes take place in you personally. It is, um, 
you'll never be ashamed for giving thanks for what God did. You may not understand everything right at first, but after a while, once you're using thanksgiving as a way of life, you start recognizing now, you know, God does things in a peculiar way. I remember one time that we were in a hurry to get to someplace. Um, and traffic jam or something, I don't remember exactly now what it was, something caused us where we can't, we couldn't get there. And boy, we were so, so we get there late. Oh, embarrassment. Now you got to walk in late. Da, 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 da. And then once you get there, you find out, you know, somewhere along that route you guys were on, we were worried about you because there was a bad accident up there where a lot of people were really badly hurt. Two people were killed. If we had been traveling at the speed we were supposed to travel, that's where we would have been. But God, in his mercy and his kindness, stopped us from doing that, getting us some jams and that sort of thing. And he used even our tardiness as a way to spare our lives. All right? You'll never be disappointed with God if you give, keep on giving him thanks for what he does. It may not sound like the, that's what the culture does because the culture likes to say complaining is the way of life. All right, let's go this. How can one know the will of God for his personal life? Letter A, first of all, meet the basic criteria points 1A through 1-7. That's just the first part of the outline. Get into a personal relationship with God. That is foundational. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. If you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, now you are on a ground to receive knowledge of the will of God. Number two, or letter B, practice the revealed will of God. He says, in everything, give thanks. So practice that. Before you're saying, what's the, sh- should we sell the house, uh, not sell the house? Should, should we buy this? Should we not buy that? Should we, uh, what's your will? What's your will for us here? Well, stop. Are you already doing what he told you to do? Are you remembering to give thanks? Are you keeping your body pure? First Thessalonians chapter 4 says, this is the will of God that you keep your body pure. Um, love the brethren as you love yourself. That commandment's repeated several times. Is that what you're doing? So if you're doing that, you're already doing the will of God. Going on further, you can practice mercy, justice, and walk humbly with your God. You seek as your top priority the kingdom of God and his righteousness, keep his commandments, etc. So if you start practicing what he's already told you is the will of God, what he wants you to do becomes clearer. What his will is going to be becomes clearer to you, all right? We've got more to say about that in just a second here. Keep his covenant and his testimonies to know wisdom, the right things to do. And here's what I mean. Here you got this Bible. It's not one that you just turn to and say, I'd like to know what is the will on Tuesdays? What's your will on Tuesday? And there's a Tuesday page in here, and you turn to the Tuesday page. Oh, this is what I'm supposed to do on Tuesday. I see. It's not like that. It's, it's stories. It's accounts. It's commandments. It's prophecies. Some of it's really hard to get a hold of. That's all in here. And what he wants you to do is be in love enough with him, be in a relationship enough with him, so when you read this, he can tell you what's the lesson. What's the lesson? What's the lesson? Get familiar with it so you can now know what would be the wise thing to do. Let's see if we can give the illustration this way. You have five choices in your life today. You can have ten. Take any number you want. doesn't matter to me. Number one, it is about your future. Number one says 
you can become a thief. Okay? Number two says you can sell drugs on the market. Not as a pharmacist, but as you can sell drugs on the market. Uh, you could start your own business. Uh, you you uh, could go work in a factory with a good friend of yours. You know somebody's got there. Um, you, you could do... Um, um, you go to work at a filling station, service station, okay? Of those five things, which do you think God would point you to? How about becoming a thief? Would he point you to that? Likely not. Why? Because you had already read here, no, thou shalt not steal. So you're going to know, okay, that one's not even a path open to me. Okay, you could sell drugs, Okay. So you look back in the Word of God, is that okay? No, that's not okay either. Okay, so I can't do that one. So now I'm, I'm cut down my choices to three. Could I go to work in, uh, for my own self? Could I go to work in a factory where my friend works? Could I do some other thing? The answer is yes. All the paths of the Lord are mercy and truth to such as keep his covenant you can do any of those, and they will be the will of God. If I'm where I'm at, you can do any of them, and they'll be the will of God. Now, each one of them has a price tag on it. If you start your own business, do you know that has a price tag on it? What kind of price tag would starting your own business have on it? Help me. What kind of price tag would it take? Time. Man, if you're going to start your own business, you've got to be willing to put the time in on it, okay? Now, you've got uh, 23 kids. Do you think you're actually going to have the time to have your own business? You're going to have to think that through a little bit, aren't you? Okay. What else does that starting your own business entail? How about capital? You're going to have to have some money somewhere along the way. If you don't have any money, you're going to have to find out some way to get some money so you can start getting things built up so that you can have more capital, right? Those all have price tags to them. Now, you, you could say, well, what I'm going to do is raise sheep. You could say that, okay? Now, there's a couple of ways you could do that. You could buy sheep or you could steal sheep. You could be a, a sheep thief. You, you could do that. Which of those do you think would be within the will of God? Okay, I know I'm being facetious with you, but I'm just trying to say, look, guys, there are many things that you already know are the will of God. They're already there. So let me cut to the chase. Let's go down to uh, letter A. Um, Well, let's pick up letter E. Make a conscious choice to follow only wisdom and truth and never compromise with evil. I don't care if there's a lot more money in selling drugs. You're not going to compromise with evil. That's, that's not on your chart. You already know that's not the will of God. You're not going to do it. Now, you're not going to make any compromise with evil. You're going to follow wisdom. You're going to follow truth. Let's go to letter F. Do whatever you want. That does not violate the word, way, commandments, and principles of God's word and fully enjoy it. Do whatever you want. It's not, I remember years ago, we used to think of the will of God as something that you had to hit right in the middle of the target. 
and that target would be out here. And now you put your arrow in your bow and you pull it back and you're aiming for the target. You're aiming for the center of that target, all right? So you're set for it. But now someone changes a few things. All of a sudden, clouds start coming over and there's a fog machine that puts fog over that target. Oh, I can't see the target very well right now. And then somebody does something else. They start swinging the target. And now I got fog. I've got this swinging thing. I'm, I'm really puzzled about whether I'm going to hit this or not. And then somebody does even worse. They start alternating when it's swinging. So fire. And you hope you hit the will of God. He said, nobody ever believes that. Yeah. The man I was counseling was trying to let me know that he has every good reason to leave his wife because he was not in the will of God when he married her. How do you know that, he said. Well, I thought I was. And he took an aim at the moving target with this covered by the smoke. He fired a shot. What do you know? He missed. So God's giving him another chance now to do something different. You follow where I'm at? I don't know all the details of what his marriage is about, but I do know this. He was making an excuse that says, I didn't make the choice. It was God who was making a choice for me, and I tried to fire at God's glory, and I missed. Kids, if you're understanding what I'm trying to let you know, if you're following what the, the Lord's already told you, you can do whatever you want as long as you're not violating any of the principles and commandments laid down there, and you'll be in the will of God. It has a price tag. You got to be willing to pay the price, whatever it is, but you'll be in the will of God. God's will is not some mysterious thing. Why can I say you'd be in the will? Because all the paths of the Lord are mercy and truth. Not just a single path, kids. The only single path you have is that of trusting Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior. You're not going to violate anything else. You're, you, you, you've got a world of choices out there, but you're already eliminating a whole bunch of those choices because you know wisdom, and you're not going to follow that other stuff. Right? So do whatever you want that does not violate it. Nothing will separate you from the love of God. All his paths are mercy and truth, and he will teach you. He will teach teach you. He's going to show you the way. Don't, don't make God's will mysterious. If he's told you in everything, give thanks for the will of God, this is the will of God for you concerning Christ Jesus, then just start giving thanks. Don't make it difficult. Don't make it complicated. Just start giving thanks. Even when you don't see how that could possibly be something you can th- be thankful for. It may be something that God is doing beyond you that you can't see just yet because God works all things together for the good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. By that we mean he is going to conform you to the image of his son. That's the good. His son went through suffering. You may also go through suffering. Don't make suffering the proof of not God's will. It isn't. Sometimes suffering is within the will of God. Questions, comments, thoughts? Look at Psalm 25 once again. 
And let's, I want you to look at just one, one little passage. Look at verse 12. Who is the man that fears the Lord? Him shall he teach in the way he chooses. Wow, there's a lot of pronouns there, isn't there? Him shall he teach in the way that he chooses. So let's take a look at this. In the Old Testament, as well as in the New Testament, there aren't capital letters used. There's not capitalization. No, there's no punctuation. There's no capitalization. It's just text. Okay? If you look at this passage, let's see how we'll divide this up. Who is the man that fears the Lord? Him. What's that him refer back to? God or the man? You only have two choices in this particular passage. It's either God or the man. Him shall he teach in the way that he chooses. Who is the him? Is that the man or God? It's the man. Okay, so him. Who is the man that fears the Lord? Him. So it's the man that's fearing the Lord. Him shall he teach. Who's the he? Is it the man or is it God? Well, if it's the man, he's teaching himself. So it's got to be. So the man will be taught by God, right? Are you tracking with me? Now look at the last part of it. Him shall he teach in the way that he chooses. Okay, stop a minute. Which he is that? God or the man? Him shall he teach in the way that he chooses. Well, let's take a look at it and see. Suppose, as maybe your text says, it's a capital H. If it's a capital H, that means it must be God, right? So him, the man, shall God teach in the way that God chooses. Wait a minute, kids. That's not what he's been saying. What God's going to do Let's take that capital H off there, and let's put little h there. Now what does it say? Him, the man, shall God teach in the way that the man chooses. That's the will of God. Whatever path you're choosing to walk, God will teach you in that path. Follow me? That is the will of God. It's not some mysterious thing. It's not some strange thing at all. God has told us what his will is. Do that will. If God says to you, don't eat of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, what is the will of God? Eat everything else and leave that one alone, right? Are we tracking? All right. So here's what it is. So the man goes over to the apple tree. He starts to get that. Can he eat the apple? Yes. Why? It's not the tree, the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He goes over to the peach tree, and he picks the peach. Can he eat that? Sure. Because it's not. He can eat everything else, just not that one, right? So is God teaching the man in the way that he chooses? The man's making a choice about what he eats. Is God teaching him? Yep. You can eat that. 
You can eat that. Now he goes over to the tree of the, the knowledge of good and evil, and he reaches for the fruit. What do I know? It's already gone wrong. He's already out of the will of God, right? Because God already told him, don't touch that. Don't eat that. So he's already out of the will of God. Will God teach him in the way he chooses? Yes. If that man is going to take that fruit, and he did, does God teach him after that? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. For generations after that. We're still living the teaching that comes after that. So what, what I'm telling you is this. Him, the man, shall he, God, teach in the way that the man chooses. If a man chooses to say, you know, I really do think I'm going to start my own business. Will God teach him? Yes, he's not broken that relationship. There's a good relationship going on there. God will teach him. Is there a price tag on it? Yeah, sure, there's a price tag on it. The man has to be willing to pay the price tag for that. And he may find out, I really can't afford this, and he may have to give up on his business. But God will teach him all the way. Nothing's ever going to separate him from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. Would it be the will of God for him to do that? Yes, it will. Even if he fails? Yes, even if he fails, it will still be the will of God. Why? Because the will of God's about this man's relationship to Almighty God. All right, all right. thoughts, comments? that making sense? All right. Let's look to the Lord in prayer then. Father, thank you so much for the gift of freedom, the gift to make decisions, the gift to have choices. But we thank you also for your sovereignty. We know that in those choices you're going to teach us. There are times that the lesson is a hard one. But we want to thank you that you have given us the wisdom and the tools, and the equipment with which to work. Help us to walk in the things that we know to be your will, even now, though we might discover the things that are a little less obvious. We'll thank you for it all in Jesus' name. Amen.